this is Laura. And Steven. And this is our podcast, Midday Musings, where we take our lunch break to talk about the things that are on our mind. Today, we're discussing Robert Greene's famous book, The Art of Seduction. We're discussing the nine seducer types, our favorites, and the ones we identify with. Let's get into it. Hey there, Stephen. Hey, Laura. How's it going? You know what? I think it's going pretty well. Good. Yeah. I want it to go pretty well. Yeah, I don't know why it I hesitated. It benefits me if it goes pretty well. <laughs> I don't know why I hesitated on that one. I had to think. Is it going I, well? Yeah, it is. It is. Did you hesitate because you're a lying liar face? No, I'm not a liar. You're a liar. I don't know what you're talking about. Only when it benefits me. <laughs> oh, fair enough. How's it going for you? It's going pretty well. Um, I could sleep more. Mm. I didn't, but I could. I feel like you could always sleep and, more. Oh, I could always sleep more. Sometimes I'm like, you know, if there was a drug that just put you to sleep for like an indeterminate period of time, that would be really bad for me. <laughs> that that would be the siren song I needed <laughs> to get deep into addiction. <laughs> oh. I... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, I had a great uh, workout. And uh, now I'm here recording a podcast. Excellent. Excellent. I have not worked out today, but uh, I did get some some chill, like relaxing time on around the house and got a chance to engage my my parasympathetic nervous system versus my sympathetic nervous system. So I got a chance to relax, have like a low heart rate kind of morning. And it was nice. It was oh, yeah. Nice. You and yeah. the relaxing. You guys could be closer. Oh, I know. I'm really good. You could be besties. Yeah. <laughs> I would like that, but I'm just so used to being a little bit stressed all the time. I don't know. What are you going to do? Yeah. I don't know. Regardless, you got anything on your mind? Oh, I have a thousand things on my mind. They dance flame-like <laughs> they do. through my synapses. Ooh, seducing you with their, their flaming dance. Well, yeah. Ooh, siren songs, seductions. Mm -hmm. Is it possible we're about to discuss Robert Greene's The Art of Seduction. <gasps> I think we are. Ah. Yes, Robert Greene, a fantastic author, wrote a book called The Art of Seduction, which we're going to talk about. Yeah, so Robert Greene, if you do not know him, do. Like, give, give it a Google. He's an incredible writer who tries to compile essential laws of human nature into these different tomes. Uh, he's the 48 Laws of Power guy. The Art of Great Seduction book. goes into more of the romantic, interpersonal areas of power, and that's what we're going to discuss today. He is, interestingly enough, the mentor of Ryan Holiday, our preeminent scholar on stoicism right now. Oh, I love Ryan Holiday. He's great. Oh, yeah. He, he really does communicate stoic philosophy in an accessible millennial way. Yeah. And the thing that I really love about the way Robert Greene approaches this topic of seduction is he doesn't just talk about it in a interpersonal sense. He talks about seduction in a societal sense. Some of these archetypes, actually a lot of them, use their powers of seduction to seduce notable historical figures to their way of thinking and then totally change the course of history. They rose to power through these these mental seductions that they enacted on on people they got a ton of people to vote for them or get them to move them into positions of power basically it gives you a really good understanding of how you can use subtle methods to gain power within uh, the world like how do you can navigate the world better through subtle means and critically and i believe this to be robert green's 
underlying objective, you get defenses to traditional manipulation tactics, yes, to yes. a number of tried and true, observed throughout time manipulation tactics that people use to make you do things. Oh, yeah. And maybe you don't want to be another person's puppet. Robert Greene is for you. Yeah. He lets you know, number one, what are the nine types of seducers? Mm. Number two, what people or what types of mindsets are strong against these seducers or what uh, what type of people are these seducers weak against so you know if you're if they're strong against your type it's like pokemon you know like uh-huh. if, if you're a grass type you're not going to want to hang out hang out around fire types but you're going to be fine around like water types so yeah yeah absolutely and know the types of the people that are around you and you've probably seen these around uh the nine types of seducers i've seen short form video content on this. So we've got the siren, the rake, the ideal lover, the dandy, the natural, the coquette, the charmer, the charismatic, and the star. Steven, do you have a favorite type? You know, I do. Talk to me about it. My favorites are, my favorites are the rake and the coquette, and I'll tell you why. Please do. The rake is actually the one that that I most relate with. Mm. Uh, just in general, my MO tends to be pursue a goal, a person, a something until it until I get it, until it works. And the rake is known as a seducer who catches their target's fancy by incessantly pursuing him or her. The rake is also known to really just like women. And I really, really just like being around women. I just Mm -hmm. love everything about them. I love the fact that they care about other people. I love the fact that they, that they take the time to like smell nice, which isn't always the case (laughs) around, around guys. Like you, like you can tell they, they took some time and effort into making a nice presentation. They're recently washed. They're recently washed. And I like that. Uh, Just (laughs) softer, gentler. I love everything about the the female camp. And so the rake is is kind of like obsessed with with women. And like, I'm not obsessed, but I do relate with that type. The female camp is very, very interesting to me. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I see within you the incessant pursuit. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) The, The other one that I like that's kind of my favorite is the coquette. It's a seducer who leads a person on without offering instant gratification. They delay satisfaction by alternating between unexplained warmth and coldness so the victim stays in a state of anticipation without knowing what's coming next and i find that very interesting i notice that that tends to be the type that i am often drawn towards Mm. whether it's for friendship or for romance someone who can go hot and cold i'm like that why does this work for me i don't know why is it because your sympathetic nervous system is engaged and you're like always a little stressed about it yeah because you don't know which way they're gonna go and you're like i shouldn't like this why do i like this Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah those are my two favorites i like the other ones a whole lot i mean the dandy i enjoy quite a bit because it's not like just the traditional well-dressed flamboyantly dressed and fancy man fancy man or, or woman in this case it's the way Robert Greene talks about the dandy, it is about an archetype that doesn't seduce a person or an individual. They they seduce society's mind by undermining society's expectations. And mm. I'm I love that. That's like rebellion through fashion and through just being very fancy. I think that's fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You what, like some some presentation. <laughs> I do. I do. Uh, what about yourself? Do you have any 
personal favorites on the types. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. My favorite type, as described by Robert Greene, is the one called the Ideal Lover, mm. and so that's the one that's modeled off of Casanova or Madame de Pompadour. Like Madame de Pompadour is known as the most successful royal mistress in French history, mm. which vibes. There's a lot of competition. So the ideal lover basically looks at what you want and need and becomes that thing. They embody whatever they've detected you desire or what's missing from you. And what I like about this is that it requires a certain level of intelligence and like detective work. <laughs> and then, then a flexibility of self that can mold into whatever it is you're trying to... Mm -hmm to gap fill in the other person's existence. To me, that's art. That's like high art, the ideal lover. Oh, yeah. Um, and Robert Greene actually mentions that Casanova is considered the most successful seducer of all time because he's capable in this way. He can become whatever he needs to be and fulfill whatever fantasy you as the object require. And that, dude, that's almost a public service. <laughs> so the ideal lover is pretty darn cool. Yeah. But I also have a, a secret spot in my heart for uh the siren because it's it's so representative of moana's like staring at the horizon of yeah. the sea like it is adventure and change it is disruption it's it's this idea more than anything else i mean it is inherently kind of feminine so that that's attractive to someone who who leans towards the feminine but it's it's dazzling and slightly dangerous and i love that the examples that are used by Robert Greene are Cleopatra and Marilyn Monroe, which, great, yeah, definitely historical sirens. We're still talking about Cleopatra, and that was like 79 CE. And Marilyn Monroe, despite the fact that there have been more box office viable sex symbols before and after her, she is our American concept of the sex symbol. Absolutely. So like that siren, she got staying power. As to what I'm most attracted to though, interestingly enough, it is the rake. <laughs> I, I am persuaded by demonstrations of devotion and pursuit. Uh, basically I'm like, prove yourself to me which probably isn't healthy i wouldn't recommend this i'm toxic in certain ways <laughs> but i'm working on it a, a work in progress always improving can i you're doing great. <laughs> you're doing great sweetie <laughs> but it's it's kind of like the way birds seduce their partners yeah. to me they're like hello i made this nest let me show you around <laughs> Would you like to live in this nest? Look, I've even got a fancy little mating dance. I made it just for you. Nobody else. Yeah, basically, if someone gave me a PowerPoint presentation on why they would be a viable candidate, <laughs> I would find that very persuasive. Like, I would like all of the components that go into it. First of all, it identifies that I'm a pretty results-oriented person. And so it's like, okay, I understand that what you care about here is the ultimate outcome. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you what the ultimate outcome looks like. Devotion, a nest, a mating dance, <laughs> <laughs> and like the the vitality and energy to pursue. Because the the type that I am more than anything is the coquette. Like yeah. I go hot and cold like mad. And it's not it's not manipulative. It's not voluntary. It's just the way that my like social battery works. <laughs> 
I'm very outgoing, but also very introverted. So I'll be like, hey, 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 hey. Oh my God, I'm tired. I need to go back into another room and like sit for like yeah. four hours. Yeah. Do not speak to me. <laughs> I need a minute. I need by a minute, minute. By minute, I need eight hours of solitude to myself. Please just give me some time to recharge. Fortunately for me, that has the impact of being like, hot and cold and socially attractive because yeah. there is that tension. That's true. Like anyone who, who knows me well and like messages me frequently knows that I'm either like extremely charming and on top of the re-messaging for like 40 minutes or I will not respond for like a day or two. A day? How about a month? <laughs> I'm hey, I'm way better now. You are. Like I've, I've got it down to days. No, you totally are. I only tease you because I, from my perspective, you prioritize the rest and the recovery and you're not just constantly pursuing the thing until you burn out and can no longer do that thing which is a rake like attribute to do just keep going it's fire we saw this play the other day born with teeth where uh, christopher marlowe was described as a fire that would consume the forest until it eventually exhausted itself into oblivion and he took that as a compliment However, however, that is a type that is that is the rakish type of just constant pursuit until there is nothing left of you. It's it's almost a form of idolatry of the of the person or thing you're pursuing. It's like mm -hmm. I will give everything I have in order to gain this thing or gain this person's favor because that is how much they mean to me. I do like the coquette type for that reason because it it's a challenge. If you have someone who is just readily willing and available, the rake could be overwhelming because like they're already there. They're already in it. Right. Mm. But the rake needs a bit of a challenge. Fair enough. Speaking of idolatry, another archetype is the star. Oh, yeah. Symbolized by the idol. It's glamorous and dramatic and is presented as an object of fascination. The example that Robert Greene uses is JFK, like John F. Kennedy, who was so charismatic that he just wins over an entire country. Yeah. Despite being Catholic, which I guess matters. And like it is significant, right? Because this is the era that Americans call Camelot. Mm -hmm. And his assassination is the end of Camelot. And to be compared to Arthurian legend as an American politician, wow. Mm. Good job. Right? And I, I think it's really interesting that the symbol for the star is, as you mentioned, the idol. Because it's a piece of stone carved into the shape of a god with glittering gold and jewels maybe around it. But it's the eyes of the worshippers that fill the stone with life imagining it to have real power so yeah. it's it's the shape that allows them to see what they want to see a god even though it's a piece of stone it's like it's not a god but it becomes a god in the under eyes the of, gaze of such an audience under the gaze of an audience without an audience they probably aren't even that attractive honestly i really enjoy that type another one that's kind of related to that is the the charismatic uh, oh that's that's what i seek to embody mm, please oh. talk more i think you're pretty good at that actually uh, Ooh, go on. Yeah, I read this and I said, oh, that sounds like Laura. The charismatic, <laughs> I'm like, yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Tell them like, why. <laughs> well, they come across as self-sufficient and self-driven. That doesn't mean that they are self-sufficient, just that they come across as self-sufficient. And the times when you, you're, you're thinking and you're considering, it, it feels like you got everything handled. 
you know, they represent the kind of personalities that most people want to see themselves as. They're great orators, public figures, visionaries, or leaders. Notable examples include Ava Perone, oh, Elvis Presley, God, yeah. Joan of Arc, Charles de Gaulle, Malcolm X. And aren't those just people that you want to be like? That you, that oh, you yeah, wanna... you had me at Ava Perone. I know, I know. And yeah, like Ava Perone got the people to lift her up because they they saw her and they said, you're everything we want. She didn't ask to be put in power, even though I think she secretly wanted it. They said, no, Eva, you you must be the one who's in charge. You're the one who we want to listen to. And she goes, well, okay, I guess if you insist. She is an exquisite example of female ambition. And we'll just step right on past the fascism and focus instead on the populist appeal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love Eva Perone. Love what she's bringing. Don't love the governmental structure that accompanied her husband's administration. But, like, you definitely want to be the sort of person who becomes Santa Evita. Oh, absolutely. Right? She was so beloved, she wasn't even Eva. She was little Eva. Yeah. Evita. Yeah, and... In, Santa Evita. In the, the Spanish vernacular, adding the Ita at the end is a sign of affection. It's not a sign of diminishment. It's a sign that you love something even more. And I just, I love that she developed that with the, the people. Another one we haven't addressed is the natural. So most people consider childhood to be that golden age, right? The natural is about embodying sort of a natural childish, boyish or girlish charm. Yeah. And I am a huge fan of this. Charlie Chaplin is the notable example in this. He Little Tramp. The Little Tramp, you know, he he casts himself opposite very large individuals to keep that kind of boyish charm. Even late into his career, even when he was advancing in age he still looked and act and was able to pull off the young act which made his characters so boyishly charming to the end of days because of that and i'm just such a big fan of that uh type one thing that robert green cautions is that the natural it is an archetype that only works effectively in your younger years mm -hmm. as when you try to do it at an older age it contrasts with your obvious your obvious age yeah, so I guess natural with caution. Yeah, yeah, natural at certain at certain ages and with caution, I think. Uh, and that's that's actually all of. No, them. no, we have one more, the charmer. Oh shoot! You're no, you're totally right. We didn't cover the charmer. And I actually always thought that the charmer would work on you, particularly because the way that they work is they make their targets the center of attention. Like they don't highlight highlight themselves. They they shift their entire focus. Mm. Onto the target. I would like to see this as love bombing. Um, <laughs> kind of is. Vibes. And I feel like this is a really effective tactic for almost everybody. Like mm. anyone who didn't get enough attention <laughs> in childhood or who who feels slightly slightly less than top shelf, this is like mm, chef's kiss amazing in mm -hmm. terms of manipulation tactics. Yeah. And for that reason, it is probably the least ethical. <laughs> seduction tactic that is fair i am also a big fan of of the charmer honestly i really enjoyed the story robert green told about mm -hmm. the the example of the charmer is benjamin disraeli as the charmer oh yeah and his impact on queen victoria who was a stoic no-nonsense kind of considered a, a a gruff kind of queen you know she wasn't overly feminine or or nice she she was very no-nonsense 
Yeah, she's the sort of girl to wear funereal garb for 40 years after her husband's death. Very, very serious and dour. However, Benjamin Disraeli coming in as the British prime minister during the time was a notable author, was kind of a dandy in his own way. He was very, dressed very fashionably, used very flowery words, and he was encouraged to tone it down with her, to bring it back because it might overshadow her. Instead, he took all of his warmth and his natural charm, and he took that light and he put it on Queen Victoria, and she glowed in his light, in his reflexive charm. He learned everything about her. He learned what she wanted, what she didn't want to hear, and she just blossomed in his presence. He had such a strong impact on her that people had strong suspicions that there was an actual love affair. I don't believe there was. I don't think we have evidence that that happened, but like he just had a huge impact on her. He gave her three of his published books as a gift when he first came into the prime ministry. She also returned the favor, gave her one published book to him. So they exchanged gifts. At a certain point, he offered her a bouquet of primroses, which was kind of an ordinary flower by British standards at the time. However, the note on it said, and notably, it's notable that Queen Victoria was pretty long in the tooth at this point, said that the primrose is the flower whose beauty lasts the longest. And as a result, it became her most favorite flower. He just was so effective at getting her to align with his policies. And it was just such an overt display of charm that people had questions about what was going on behind the curtains. Notably, charm offensives are one of the most effective political tactics in history. Yeah. You don't have to raise a single army if you are effectively charming. Yeah. And so, yep. Hats off to Benjamin Disraeli. That's that's a really effective approach. I would love to learn how to be as good at it as he was. Yeah, yeah. I think we all would. Yeah, and special <laughs> shout out to um, Grace Kelly, Princess of Monaco, who managed to repel a French offensive to Monaco by just being nice to the French army at the border. Oh, man. And, like, bringing them baked goods and stuff. <laughs> like, that's, that's incredible. Right? Oh. Yeah, it was the middle of last century, you know. Charles de Gaulle was being weird, as he did. <laughs> and she deferred the advancement of, of that army just by being incredibly nice. Yeah, yeah. Monaco was in danger because it's a, it's a tiny little kingdom, but it's a rich kingdom, so it's very attractive. But she had the star power of being Grace Kelly, and so she would just have photographers take pictures of her going up to the French army, bringing them gifts, talking to them, having a great time. And it persuaded the general populace enough that it would have been a real bad political move Mm. for France to try and take Monaco. Mm -mm -mm. Because look how nice Monaco is. Look at the the princess of Monaco. Like, she's amazing. Can you imagine de-sovereigning Grace Kelly? Rude. Rude, Charles. She would be so sad. Look how nice she's being. We would be so sad. Look at the baskets. (laughs) There are many ways to disarm an opponent and charm and through the use of social seduction, there there are ways that could be that could be more employed, honestly. Like we we tend to Right? Like China. Mm-hmm. China and their little panda policy. It's panda diplomacy, oh. right? So they they give a bunch of different countries pandas to display in zoos, and that's that's a charm offensive because they're the only ones with pandas. We love pandas, and they're like 
we give our friends pandas. Yeah. You don't, you're no longer our friends. We're taking the pandas. <gasps> oh, no. I know, right? <laughs> that would be very upsetting. Like, oh, all of the pandas in the U.S. are gone. Why? Oh, China. We're on China's bad lists. So yeah, we, we have to stay on good terms with China just to get the pandas. <laughs> I mean, that's a good enough reason for it. I love pandas. Right? Charm offensive. That's what I'm saying. Oh, I wonder, do do Australians do the same thing with koalas? They're like, well, you can only have a koala, but if you're, if you're nice to us, probably not. <laughs> But that would be adorable if, like, all the different countries just had, like, very animal-based charm offensives. Like, well, you can have kangaroos and wallabies, but if you're not nice to us, we take them back. Yeah, I think what America would probably have to give is buffaloes. And, like, they're amazing, no question, but they're really hard to keep in captivity because they're gigantic. They're, like, one of the last remaining megafauna. Oh, they're pretty big. From the post-Ice Age era. Yeah. Yeah, so that's not what we've chosen to use. We choose military presence. No. The point is, charm offensives are effective, and it's just important to remind y'all there are many ways to win an argument, to make sure you get get what you want without force, you know? I think that's the point. And there are many ways you can defend yourself against people who would seek to, I don't know, who would seek to manipulate you for their own means. So just something to think about. Yeah. Let us know in the comments what seduction type you identify as or which seduction type you find most attractive. And, like, buy a Robert Greene novel or download one and listen listen to an audiobook by Robert Greene. It'll measurably improve your life. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> All right. We'll catch y'all next time. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for spending your lunch with us. Bye. Bye. This has been Steven. And Laura. Thanks for tuning in to Midday Musings, the podcast where we talk about all the things on our mind. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and jump into the conversation in our polls and Q&As. We would love to hear from you. Catch you next lunch break.